Bulls if you want. Tight spiral balls? Maybe not. Go. Tight spiral balls? <laughs> to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours and with Week 9 in the books. We have no less than three teams who are halfway to perfection. We'll talk about all those teams, plus those who have been falling by the wayside in recent weeks. There's been suspensions, there's been injuries, there's been all sorts of exciting stuff to talk about. So, let's get on with it. This is the Gridiron Show. Yes, Ollie, I now feel like I need to control it because I listened back to the show for the first time this week and you leave that going for way too long. No, stop it! Stop it! Oh, no, you, no, you really stopped it. It needed to be not quite stopped, but somewhere in the middle. Okay, that'll do. This is the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tour, Sports Travel for sports fans, by sports fans. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter are in the studio. As per usual for a Monday evening, we'll be looking over all the Week 9 games. A fantastic Sunday of Action Plus tonight's Monday Night Football, even though it's not between two real NFL teams. Ollie Hunter, how are you today, sir? I'm a little bit better. I've been under the weather the last couple of days. Really? I don't know how that happened. Well, I didn't know. I thought it was someone else. But then you reminded me that you cough all over me <laughs> every single week. For, for the lo- every single show for the last two weeks. I did go through a period of having quite the cold. So uh, if it has come from me, I apologise. But what you now get to do is we sit in this sweat box for the next hour, hour and 15 minutes, picking apart the weekend's games, and you can spend that time basically pushing your germs back onto me. Yes, that's how I like to roll. So, uh, it, well, as you said, it was an exciting week nine. Go and do all the usual things in order to interact with the show. Check us out on Twitter, at Gridiron on uh, there. We're also on Instagram, at UK Gridiron. Uh, we're on, or I don't think we're on Snapchat or anything like that, actually. But we're online at gridiron-magazine.com. And you can send us an email to gridironpod at gmail.com, which one man did exactly that for us this week. No, is it our first one? Grant Blomfeld sent through the Ollie's picks for the past six weeks wow. of Gridiron Predictor game uh, so that we could go and update it on the website and make sure that Ollie was up to date. So, Grant, being the man who did that, you get to win the signed... He wants it signed by both of us. He's told me this already. <laughs> well, even uh, the Jamal Charles jersey. No, I don't think he wants that signed. Oh, so okay. it's a Jamal Charles uh, 25 jersey with the Kansas City Chiefs, the AFC uh, Legacy logo, which is a nice logo. It's the Reebok one, but it's a nicer jersey, I think. Uh, and the... Uh, and the programs from the three Wembley games this season he wants us to put to sign them and put a nice message in them oh wow so uh Grant thank you so much for doing that and amazingly what that meant was that for the week that you forgot to press submit <laughs> there were 14 games that week it was the th- I think it was week six Thursday night football was Falcon Saints that was a a big eps- upset as people saw at the time obviously from what we've seen in the week since then not so much so the Falcons have gone one and three in their four games since and including that whereas the Saints are on quite the streak until last night we'll get to that as well Ooh, nice tease but there were 13 games on the Sunday and Monday and you got 13 of them right you'd have won the hat 
Do I still get that? No, you don't get that. You, oh, you know, what? The usual terms and conditions if you work for the, for the magazine, friends and family, all that stuff. I haven't signed anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know how to react to that. The terms and conditions clearly state you're not allowed to win a hat, though. Oh, I'm pretty sure what? it says in there, Ollie Hunter can't win the hat. <laughs> but so, thank you very much again for doing that, Grant. We really appreciate it. And if anyone wants to send us some more long thought, form thought, long, long thought. What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> some long form thoughts, then please do so to gridironpod at gmail.com. Ollie, before we get on to the football, and there is a lot to talk about. We've had a couple of big suspensions there's no interviews on today's show we're going to go with a a straightforward review of the weekend but we've got a couple of potential blockbusters coming up late uh, in the week some feelers are out there we might have a couple of really big names so look forward to the friday show because that should be a really good one ollie any any non-football thoughts before we get to the football well no i was just going to say often i think when people say oh we've got some interviews in the pipeline that they're they're lying but we actually have they're really exciting it might happen I think it will happen. Something will happen, and it's exciting. Uh, just find out on Friday's show. <laughs> now, uh, we, we do put out a tweet on Gridiron before, before the show starts. You, you're right, they're fantastic. What, like, uh, just to give it a tease, I said it in the intro there, there are three teams on their way to perfection. They may hold the key to our fantastic interviews. We'll go from there at a later point. Uh, we ask on Twitter when we do the show, and we often ask far too late to involve all of your tweets. So we're sorry about that. We need to start putting it out like an hour or so before we start recording. But we put it out just a short while ago, and our, one of our favourites, Neil Dutton from the Mains and Dutts podcast, has got in touch to ask, is a hot dog a sandwich? Now, just to put it on record, he's saying no. I would say no. Now, why is a hot dog not a sandwich? It's something sandwiched between two pieces of bread, theoretically. Yeah, but I think because the bread is connected... Yeah, but, I mean, a, a loaf of bread is theoretically connected before you've sliced it. Yeah, you but could you separate the bottom a sandwich. of a hot dog. So does it, does it become a sandwich the moment the hot dog bun separates on the bottom? Yeah. Yeah. If you have, if you have a hot dog, but the bun... You know, sometimes you get crap buns and the buns split. That then becomes a hot dog sandwich. What about a baguette where the side of the baguette is still connected but you've put more traditional sandwich meat in there so like ham lettuce tomato but there's still a, a, an element of connection on the or the ciabatta or the similar uh, mediterranean bread i think that's a baguette no but it, we're saying is it a sandwich or not you can't just say it's a baguette that's well, no. the type of bread i think a sandwich has to be uh, part of the it has to know, be sliced like, bread i think it's well or roughly sliced you can rip open the bread with your bare hands so what's a panini it's a panini. What do you think a panini is? See, look, all, we get all the best questions One on One of Twitter. my mantras in life, I've got two. India stinks and a sandwich is never complete. Hold on, what's the first one? India stinks. As in the country? Yeah, it really smells. <laughs> Ollie, I'm, just, I'm somewhat taken aback. It's a beautiful, wonderful, beguiling place. But it, it does smell. I've not been yet, so um, I'm not going to avoid it. Based Where on, I went, based on your recommendation of stink, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to make a decision either way. Where I went, Delhi, Delhi really stinks. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. What about the de- a Delhi sandwich? Oh, don't sandwich me off. Um, <laughs> we had. Um, I went. I went round to yours yesterday. You did uh, to watch the games. Lovely, uh, and you made us chili. I did make a chili. Now, particularly unspicy chili, sadly, but that's how my wife likes it. Yeah, and uh, that's she fine. has first preference over you. Uh, her house, her rules. But you put something in chi- I, in the chili I've never had in the chili. Not kidney beans. Everyone has kidney beans in chili. Chopped tomatoes. They go in every chili. 
chili powder, obviously, and, and the likes, spices, oh, and etc. I saw a Simpsons today I'd never seen before. It's a Mako. You've got, oh, that's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a really old one. That's why I was taken aback a little bit. It was just. Oh. I've also said the phrase taken aback twice in the first five minutes of this show. Get over yourself. Um, but you put wow. sweet corn in your chili. Now, does anyone else out there put sweet corn in their chili con carne? Because I've never had it, but I liked it. I liked the little explosion of. Sorry, that was me hitting this, the microphone, not Will. The explosion of the sweet corn in your mouth and the texture. So I'm all about the texture and food. all about the texture. All about the texture and food. And again, it's a, it's a wife's favourite. So she's a fan, therefore I'm a fan. Uh, I want to complain about red cups, and specifically Starbucks red cups. And I specifically don't want to complain about the research. I more want to complain about the Christian faith. Yes, I'm, I'm all on board for this. <laughs> right, are you, are you following this story on social you're media? You're preaching to the choir, my friend. Are, are, you following <laughs> this, are you following this story on social media? No, I don't know what you're talking about. So every year, Chris, uh, Starbucks have a red cup for Christmas. You're yep. familiar with the Starbucks red cup. Normally it has uh, some kind of... Starbucks, if you want to sponsor us, we're saying your name a lot. Feel free. We're very cheap. Uh, with all the kind of... It's red with all the Christmas trimmings on it, right? This year, they've gone for just a simple, plain red cup. It's two-tone, it slightly gradually changes, almost like a sunrise, and it, you can see it on the screen there, very simple. Christians have lost their proverbial shit. Why? Apparently, the fact that there's no Christmas iconography on the cups means that Starbucks have rejected Christmas, have rejected Christianity, and turned their back on Jesus. Are they the most stupid people on the internet? Oh. Other than Vikings fans, I'd say yes. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute as well. Uh, the reason is, though, because, see, that's what the normal one looks like. But what? Like, Jesus wasn't literally born under a fern. Funnily enough, it wasn't snowing in the Middle East when Jesus was born. You ridiculous human beings. Allegedly born. And, uh, yeah, and I don't, uh, yeah, I've got no issue with the Christian faith as a whole. And there are lots of good teachings in there. And, and you know, people who follow it in a positive way can have a very positive life. But what's phenomenal about it is the reaction to it so their reaction to the fact that they've started selling red cups without christian iconography on therefore turning their backs on jesus is to go into starbucks buy coffee and you know when they ask you for your name and you say my name's you know dan fouts or whatever you say your name is well, um, my name yeah well you know people like they to do never get fun. it right i don't yeah i don't know why <laughs> i particularly picked former charges because he's got a great beard and you look a bit like dan fouts right now with your <laughs> great beard Where did that come yeah I, I, well, we were on an nfl podcast i made it about football it was good. um so christians have been going into starbucks buying their coffee and then telling them that their name is Merry Christmas, so that Starbucks write Merry Christmas on their cups. There's a, there's a whole thing on Instagram with this hashtag Merry Christmas Starbucks. You can go on and look at it. Uh, but the, the most ridiculous part of all of this is, yeah, the best way to get back at a corporation you're pissed off at is go and spend money in their retail that doesn't even pay tax you ridiculous ridiculous people i don't know I, I felt i needed to get that off my chest i know that it is not relevant to the nfl or anything else we do on this podcast and normally we just like to talk about nice fun light things uh, instead i needed to get that off my chest i was angry and bemused and i was, it was so annoyed that it interrupted my tweeting about blaine gabbert's phenomenal performance in san francisco on sunday night and caused me to start tweeting about that instead. Would you, if you said your name was Snowflake, would they draw a snowflake or would they write snowflake? I suppose it depends on how amusing the individual barista is.
Also, barista is a bit of a wanky name, isn't it? <laughs> Whoa, really is. Sorry if there are any baristas listening. <laughs> if, if this is playing in Starbucks right now, I apologise for everything I've said. I don't mean it's Starbucks. Please do come in there. Come and sponsor us. We need the money. Uh, right, as we, always, we start the podcast by talking about Monday Night Football, even though there are clearly more important games to talk about. We want to talk about the undefeated teams. In fact, all of the tweets coming in so far. Dave Cheeseman, can Carolina actually win the Super Bowl? Hysteria or not, Beer Bet says they can. Hysterical. But it isn't hysterical. They could win the Super Bowl. They really could. Uh, we'll talk about their game. And uh, their, I can't remember who they beat this weekend, Ollie. The Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> completely destroyed the Green Bay Packers. Who picked that on the show on Friday? Saturday, whenever it was? This guy. Uh, Jack Walton wanted to know, most likely of the three unbeaten teams, to go the perfection and go 16-0. And we've also had a tweet in from Rob Fussy asking uh, whether or not Cam is the best quarterback in the league. So everyone wants to talk about the undefeated teams. We will talk about those shortly, but we should start off with the Monday Night Football game. As I think Chicago Bears travel to San Diego, I think that's right. I don't care very much it's right thank you uh the only real uh, thing to watch out from this game is the fact that the the uh, chargers defense has been such a letdown this year despite investing so much in you know the linebackers in high picks and in guys like ingram and, and the, uh, the the offensive line's a mess melvin ingram they invested a high pick in and really hasn't worked out so rivers is having to throw the ball a lot he at this point in the season is on pace for 5,506 passing yards, which would break Peyton Manning's single season passing record based on his first eight games of the season. Wouldn't that be brilliant? I mean, actually, just to be fair, Peyton started faster. He was already on sort of 2,900 around this point. He slowed as the season went on, whereas Rivers has been a bit more steady. And obviously the 500 against uh, Green Bay makes a big difference. But... That's pretty amazing, considering we're going to talk about Drew Brees later on today and the kind of records that he might be mm. setting. So that's crazy. That's one thing to look out for in this game, I guess. Uh, just to confirm, I think I took the Chargers. I took the Chargers. No, you took the Bears. Did I? Yeah. Oh. I think you took the Bears. That's disappointing. What we need is someone to email it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got nothing good to give away left. Uh, so here is my look back on Monday Night Football. <laughs> So as usual, let's blast through our look at Monday Night Football. And before, just very quickly before we do that, we should mention there was one piece of news, as always, as we roll off the show. And that's that uh, veteran wide receiver Wes Welker has joined the St. Louis Rams uh, till the end of the season. Uh, again, not a huge bit of news. Maybe it'll improve that receiving core. Offer Nick Foles some shorter options rather than those deep balls to Kenny Britton to uh, the other chap there whose name's just gone off the top of my head. It's uh, <laughs> like owning him in many, many leagues at the beginning of this year. Brian Quick. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of news from there, but let's talk Monday Night Football. Jay Cutler, the renaissance under the renaissance even, under Adam Gase continues. Zach Leonard made a phenomenal one-handed grab of a 25-yard touchdown pass from a Jay Cutler fastball with 3.19 to go, and the Bears beat San Diego Chargers 22-19 down on the West Coast last night. Cutler overcame an interception return for a touchdown and a fumble through for 345 yards and calmly led the Bear on the winning 10-play 80-yard drive after the Chargers had taken a 19-14 lead on rookie Josh Lambeau's 22-yard field goal. Miller made the leaping grab with his right hand and scored. Rookie Jeremy Langford in for Matt Forte, ran in the two-point conversion, and he was absolutely superb on the night. Uh, he played behind uh, Le'Veon Bell for two of his four years at college, which is why his numbers don't look huge. But for the two years that he was the starter at college, he ran in 40 touchdowns, and he looks like a player. Uh, brilliant 31-yard reception. He has played as a wide receiver as well, with Forte due to reach free agency at the end of this year. Lang 
Langford put in a very strong bid for the Bears' starting job next season. Uh, Philip Rivers, you have to say, despite the fact that he lost this game, uh, managed to rely on a ridiculous cast of players by the end after Malcolm Floyd, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league, uh, who is retiring at the end of the season, maybe at the end of this game after today's injury, went out. He's left with Stevie Johnson, Dontra Lindman and Javante Herndon. Darius Greendown, Antonio Gates slogging through an MCL sprain. Uh, used Danny Woodhead a lot in this game. Didn't see a huge amount of Melvin Gordon. Uh, one of the real shames is it was a big day not only for uh, Langford but also for the wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. A real shame that uh, there was a great battle going on between him and Jason Verrett, obviously the guy who Ollie said they were going to pick in the first round two years ago. He got a groin injury and it robbed us to the chance of watch what was proving at that point to be an intriguing matchup. Real battle of wills between the receiver and the corner. So all in all, an entertaining Monday night football. Took a little while to get going. Uh, I still think that uh, the Bears looking more and more impressive. Adam Gase, he was linked with many, many head coaching jobs. Don't expect that to change going into next year. The Bears snap a two-game losing streak to move to three and five. San Diego at two and seven lost its fifth straight game and there's now talk from Chargers fans of how high they're going to be picking in the draft. Real shame for them with all their injuries. They look like a good team this year. Maybe next year San Diego. Chicago probably next year as well but you look like you've got some talent there. Uh, That was good fun. Let's look forward and back to let's go back even sorry to uh, the team. That's me and Ollie uh, with the rest of the weekend's action. So that was me looking back on Monday Night Football just to confirm that I did take the Chargers in that game. We've just double-checked it on the Predictor game whilst we left a little pause for me to talk into. And now let's get on to the Sunday Night Games. And there really is only one place we can start. And that is Cam Newton throwing three touchdown passes and running in for another score as the Carolina Panthers took a huge step towards the best record in the NFC and a home playoff run as they beat the Green Bay Packers 37-29 on Sunday evening. Newton completed first. 15 for 30 for 297 yards and ran for another 57 on nine carries. One of the best games of his five-year career. And the Panthers have gone to 8-0, and extending their regular season win streak to 12 games. Rodgers himself didn't have a bad game through 396 yards and four-foot touchdowns, leading a furious fourth-quarter comeback from 23 points down but couldn't complete it as Thomas Davis intercepted Rodgers on a fourth and goal with 154 left. Ollie, how are you feeling at this moment? That's the first question. Um, I'm feeling all right. Uh, it was a the the, the second quarter, twenty four points was a, a mauling basically. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Aaron Rodgers was completing long passes. Um, James Starks looks pretty good. Eddie Lacy is obviously out uh, with an ankle. Well, would left the game with an ankle injury. He hasn't looked anything like the Eddie Lacy of last time um, of last season. Randall Cobb looked pretty decent. So, on offense, it looks kind of okay. Rodgers... It, it felt like in the first half, they, they continued the similar sort of limited play they played last week. And actually, through six quarters, the Packers were being absolutely destroyed from the last two yeah. weeks. They came out in the second half, and they were a lot more impressive. Rodgers looked looser. They allowed the receivers to, to make their own plays almost to... They were, again, the things we talked about, working in more crossing routes, working in more interesting uh, play calling. And that made a big difference, handing the ball off to Starks a bit more often. Because, let's be honest, Eddie Lacy not looking very good right now um cam Cam newton nearly absolutely destroyed you he had the fourth quarter pick demarius randall uh, picking it off at the carolina 22 with 338 to play uh keeping the but they kept you from scoring and all in all 
Cam, I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this show, but if it wasn't for Tom Brady's play this season, and the person who asked, is he the best quarterback in the league? Sadly, no, that's Tom Brady. But he's a very, very close second, the way he's playing this year. I mean, Devin Funches had the 52-yarder and is starting to look like a player. He's improving week on week. But the, th- the pass to Jericho Cottry, oh, Philly pass. Brown, or Corey Brown, as we're calling him now, and uh, the rushing touchdown as well is obviously another part of his game. He looks like a real leader on the field. Uh, this was his 29th career game game with a touchdown pass and a rushing touchdown in five years steve young has the most rushing touchdown games with both a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown in nfl history with 31 cam newton will probably break that record this season and hasn't he got the most rushing touchdowns for any quarterback I, I believe so. I think so. I I'm think not 100% because I'm not the like, statistic in front of me. I think it's something like 47, 48, 49, something around that, which is incredible. And he is looking absolutely outstanding. What he's doing is, and it's a mark of a, of a very, very good call, a quarterback. I don't want to call him great just yet. But what he's doing is making poor receivers look better. And that's what uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of did has do. been doing until well into, through six quarters through Denver yeah. and, and this is the problem they were, they were trying a lot of dink and dunk trying a lot of short passes uh, there was a nice completion to Devontae Adams out on the left in the first half that I distinctly remember where he came back on it and completed it but other than that they looked scared to go deep and that's where they're really missing Jordy Nelson and that's where the concern is going through the rest of this season now somebody else has, uh, has tweeted into us and we'll get onto the Vikings in a minute but Josh Hunter says the Packers are no longer the best team in the NFL FC North. That is hysterical considering the Vikings' upcoming schedule, and we'll get onto that in a minute. And I do expect Green Bay to right this ship, but they really have looked bad through, certainly, as I say, six quarters of these two games. If it wasn't for Rogers' play extension, I mean, he was hit 14 times, he was sacked five times, and if he hadn't been the sort of guy who has such great pocket presence, has such great awareness, has is so nimble. The sacks could have been seven, even nine on the night. And that offensive line has looked absolutely horrendous the last two, three weeks. Yeah. I mean, crumpling under. Okay, the the defenses of of um, of Denver it, and their passing ru- their pass rush is fantastic. But Carolina don't t- don't traditionally have a great pass rush. Well, but the difference is they do this season because K1 yeah. Short has been absolutely phenomenal in the center alongside Starlo Tulele. Coney Ely has proven to be really good. We know about their linebackers. Thomas Davis obviously got the pick but looked good on the day as well. Luke Keekley actually went out of this game for a period of time, but Still, their de- their defense is stout. It's always been stout against the run, without necessarily since Greg Hardy left. All of last season, after Greg Hardy was out, they didn't generate a huge amount of pass rush. Um, they have been doing this year. They've been getting pressure up the middle. It's very similar to what they do in New York uh, with the Jets, the way they've not really got a pure edge rusher. And I've been so impressed with the defensive side of the ball as well. And that's without talking about Josh Norman being phenomenal on top of all of that. And Peanut Tillman actually still looking like he can play in the NFL. That This Panthers team is properly legit. And when you've got Cookley and... <laughs> I genuinely refuse to talk to you if you call him that. And Thomas Davis as well. It's just... Uh, yeah, they, they're looking scary, scarily good. Uh, which of the... Well, we've already talked about the Bengals, so we said we're going to talk about the undefeated teams. Before we get on to what was potentially... There were two games which, which ranked up as the games of the weekend this weekend, and both of which we actually said last week we were concerned could be utter blowouts. But let's focus on the other undefeated team, and that's the New England Patriots. 
Just 10 minutes into this game, the score was already lopsided. Julian Edelman and Garrett Blunt had scored touchdowns, while the Redskins hadn't even run their second play of the game. The Patriots finally won 27-10 on Sunday to remain unbeaten. Brady, fantastic on the day again, 26 of 39 for 299 yards and two touchdowns, including the pass to Edelman on the opening drive. Uh, they pulled off the surprise on kick, which was phenomenal, until some guy called Julian Edelman, not that good, that guy, fumbled the ball and gave it back to Washington. Uh, the fact is, is that this scoreline flattered Washington and for the first time this season it felt like New England took their foot off the gas pedal because we've seen them pushing on scores constantly however the negatives for New England are Dion Lewis ACL injury out for the season oh man absolutely devastating he's third in the, uh, for the Patriots from the uh, in yards from the line of scrimmage with 622 that's just 70 odd short of Gronkowski and just 40 odd short of Julian Edelman uh, his yards per reception by a running back this season ranking the top three alongside Charles Sims and Danny Woodhead he has been an absolute monster and that's even with missing a game and a half thanks to an earlier injury so that's really genuinely devastating I'm particularly annoyed because and this is very personal but Pete Carline, screw you, because I had a really good trade on the table in a dynasty league which involved Dion Lewis and a couple of other pieces for Antonio Brown. That's never going through now. Gutted. Maybe he doesn't know. I think he knows. Yeah, he'll, he'll know. He'll know. <laughs> um, yeah, gutting for Dion Lewis. He's looked absolutely outstanding. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt uh, bossed, bossed it on the, on, on the ground as well. 129 yards, a, a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Bolden uh, was used instead of Lewis. Uh, instead of um, in the passing game. And I would probably... It, it, it's strange because he's been on the periphery over the last uh, three I, or four... Well, over the, this whole season, really. I kind of think Brandon Bolden... Because James White wasn't active for this game. He was uh, an inactive yeah. scratch. But they... they Signed him with a reason, with a reasonably high draft pick. You know, anything in the top five rounds is reasonably high, isn't it? So it's a ridiculous statement to make. But um, they uh, they certainly look the uh, they certainly look like they'll bring him back into the team now. And as is always the way with the Patriots, the next guy will come up. I'm more concerned about their offensive line. We don't need to talk about the play particularly in this game, but. Um, so uh, we we already are aware of the injuries they've got on there, and then I think it was Volmer who went down uh, with a injury in the game. I think that might they might come back for this weekend, but he went down with a head injury. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. But they are continuously ha- continually having to reshuffle that offensive line in New England. And They're playing a tight end on the offensive line. A quite quite a, a lot. I think a right or left tackle. He's a tight end in college, and he's been moved onto the line. That's incredible, and that's the kind of thing that the Patriots do. But uh, to the person who asked us, who's most likely to go sixteen and zero from the teams, it was Jack who asked that question. Um, I my feeling and my leaning is actually towards that none of these teams will go 16 and 0 the patriots are probably in the best position to do so they have a very tough record they go to new york uh, this next coming weekend the giants defense looked much better this past weekend they've still got to go to the broncos they've still got to go to the jets in a tough divisional game so they've got losable games without a doubt panthers have been in some very tight games. You think about how tight their win over the Seahawks was, how tight their win over the Saints was, uh, how close they were, obviously, uh, in the game against the Colts as well that went to overtime. Texans was one one touchdown game as well. You, you can maintain those games. They have to go, for example, to Dallas once Tony Romo's back. They have to go to the resurgent New Orleans. They've still got to go to Atlanta uh, as well as Atlanta at home, but you'd see that as a win. So for each of these teams, there's a couple of losable games left on their schedule. And I believe similarly for the Bengals. So uh, 
It's a phenomenal thing when a team goes undefeated in the NFL. It's only happened, I think, two or three times in the regular season. Obviously, the Patriots did it in 2007. The Dolphins did it and went all the way through and won the Super Bowl. Um, So it's very, very unlikely. And then just looking at the Bengals, I mean, in two weeks' time, they've got to go to the Cardinals on Monday, on uh, Sunday night football. So, and they've still got to go to the Broncos as well. So, and they host the Steelers in a divisional game. That's always going to be tight. Uh, yeah, and, and so I could see I could see three fourteen and two teams basically. I think is what I'm saying. Or fifteen and one will win you the conference as it always should. Fourteen and two, but you're going to need to be fourteen and two to get a, a, a buy certainly in the AFC, and that's nuts. And as it is, and given with uh, Green Bay's defeat to the Panthers, it looks like the Panthers will pretty much have home home field advantage come the playoffs. Given if you look at the the remainder of their schedules um, at the times. Redskins at the Cowboys at the Saints, Falcons at the Giants at the Falcons, uh, and home to the Bucks. Fourteen and two is is a realistic realistic um, kind of goal for them and home field advantage. And if anyone's got to go back to Carolina, you know you've got to. It's going to be tough. You, it's going to be lean, yeah. yeah. You're leaning towards the Panthers all automatically. It's going to be truly tough. Now there's a, a few more real key games we want to talk about from last night. There were a couple of absolute barnstormers. Plus there were some injuries, some various bits and pieces. We've got to get on back onto our division of disgrace as well, of course, and talk about that. But let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, who just a few days ago we were lambasting as being a terrible, terrible football team. I feel like I'm going to be using that a lot today because they somehow managed to have Andrew Luck put together the best game we've seen him put together all season against the number one defense in the league. A defense that we're talking about in terms of the great defenses, the recent Seahawks, the 85 Bears, you know, the the, uh, Purple People Eaters, those sorts of phenomenal defenses. And Andrew Luck threw two touchdown passes whilst Adam Vinatieri made a tie-breaking 55-yard field goal with 6.13 to play, giving Indianapolis a surprising 27-24 victory over Denver. The Colts moved to four and five, ending a three-game losing streak to stay atop of the AFC South by ruining Peyton Manning's return to Indy. We talked about those numbers. Denver moved seven and one. Manning needed 285 yards to break the all-time uh, the all-time passing record. He got 281 yards. Uh, he needed the win to break the win column. He didn't get the win. He would have loved to have done all of that in Indianapolis. But genuinely, this was a fantastic performance. Luck was absolutely brilliant. 21 of 36, 252 yards. He broke the 17-all tie with a touchdown pass early in the fourth quarter. Snapped that 24-all tie with the drive to help Adam Vinatieri with his field goal. And then he had the late drive, which ended up winning them the game, even though they didn't get a score from it. Just everything about his performance was fantastic. It's a real shame that when... They had a, a a third and long from. They had a third, well, third and reasonable with about three minutes, uh, just over two minutes ago. It might have been two twenty-five, and they didn't complete it, and they would have had to have kicked the field goal, and then Denver would have had, I think, whatever it would have worked out as a minute twenty after the additional snaps to go on and uh, to go and drive the field, see if Peyton Manning could break the record for the wins, get the win on the day, stay undefeated. And then Aqib Tlaib decides that he wants to do a 1980s WWF-style eye rake. He literally, like... (laughs) He's literally like something out of a silent movie. Decides to go and poke another player in the eye and has now been suspended for a game for it. They eat up the penalty. That gives the extra yardage that the Colts need. They get the first down. They can take the knee and they win the game. What do you think? Aqib Tlaib is one of my favourite corners in the league and that was 
dreadful behavior. Well, you know, he's a big fan of the top 14 French rugby uh, competition. <laughs> he is, is he? Where, where eye gouging is... Uh, is prevalent and actually is uh, is uh, is not frowned upon. It's encouraged. I mean, it's it's utterly stunning. And actually, we're going to talk about another non-suspension in a game coming up. But this is the third suspension of his career. He missed four games in 2012 with a PED violation. Missed a game for personal conduct in 2010. I'm stunned. Actually, he's only missing a single game. When you consider that smoking some weed gives you a two to four game ban, this he could have ended a, a guy's career and i know that seems extreme and i was going to say something similar but uh yeah that's that it really that really is a genuine possibility yeah it really uh, and oh, just so stupid just so absolutely stupid can i just say before we move on there is one person that picked this game to be a colts win oh yeah there was wasn't there? <laughs> yeah there was this guy, this guy. So is Rob Trudzinski the uh, the real deal when, when we mocked them last week for just getting rid of an offensive coordinator when clearly there were so many more issues? He seemed to let the receivers, he seemed to make it so the receivers actually got open against the star-studded secondary. Uh, Their the dominant defense looked out. There was inspiring comparisons to the Ravens, the Bears, all these great teams made them look absolutely normal, absolutely average. And genuinely, that their game plan was brilliant and luck was brilliant on the night. I don't know what he did, but Rob Chanzinski, well done, sir. Salute well done. to you. Yes. Salute to you. Was that almost an <clears throat> apology from Will Gavin? They're almost. Almost. Oh, the, do you need one to, uh, to give me one for Incredible and his... And his fumble this week. No, no, no. Another touchdown. When he, when he lost the ball, when he, they could have been three scores up. Well, yeah. Everyone drops a ball, but he scored another touchdown. Right? Negative for both these teams. They both lost key defenders to injuries after moving to 10th place in the all-time sack list by taking luck down in the first half to Marcus Ware missed the entire second half with a back injury waiting on an update from that. The Colts lost safety Mike Adams who's been brilliant and rookie defensive end Henry Anderson both bright spots on a on a defense that haven't been superb this year. Shame to see them go uh, down and we'll find out more and we'll probably speak about that later in the week. Colts defense very good. Colts very defense good. rush defense was brilliant stuffing Anderson and Hillman again best who, best we've seen them play this year without yeah. a doubt now there are there are two other games we need to talk about I'm thinking let's let's save Sunday night football because I want to kind of talk Sunday night football and relate it to the division of disgrace so um let's talk about first of all uh this game uh, Adrian Peterson rushed for 125 yards on 29 car- carries. More yards than Todd Gurley as the <laughs> Minnesota Vikings beat the St. Louis Rams in overtime, 21 points to 18. Predi- uh, predictably grinded out game between two similarly constructed teams. The Vikings moved to 6-2, and two, ending Todd Gurley's streak of games with 125-plus rushing yards at four. He gained 89 yards and a touchdown. Hardly a bad performance. The Rams moved to 4-4. Four and four. Despite receiving the overtime kickoff, they went to 3 and out the big talking point of course from this game other than the victory and if you go anywhere on the nfl website right now you're seeing a video of a very very angry head coach in zimmer over the challenge on quarterback teddy bridgewater from uh, lamarcus joiner the cornerback from uh, the st louis rams now we already know that joiner will not be being suspended it's likely he's going to receive a large fine for his part in that challenge um uh, Bridgewater suffered a concussion, and from what we're understanding, he should be good to go for Sunday. He's gone through the protocols, despite the fact he was clearly out cold on the day. Um, he, he supposedly, after the game, was fine and will be playing this weekend. Which is great to hear. That is fantastic to hear. And no one wants to see a player go down injured, and no one wants to see a, a challenge which was reckless. There's no doubting that. But I have a real issue with the reaction of Vikings fans. 
of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Full time supply, 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And fans across the league in general. And there's a very easy storyline for the media with this game. Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator of the New Orleans Saints for Bounty Gate. Of course, one of the teams targeted in Bounty Gate was the Vikings with Favre under centre. And that's probably the, that's where the recordings had come out of, you know, take off the head and the body will die and all of that stuff that we heard from t- three years ago. All of that's fine. But, it's a real problem when people see a slow-mo of something and decide that there's intent there. You watch that challenge at full speed, and Lamarcus Joyner is already falling forwards when Bridgewater slides. It's reckless, because his arm is up, and you've got to know that in any challenge with a quarterback, you have to be protecting them almost more than you're protecting yourself. Mm. Otherwise, you're talking flags, you're talking suspensions, you're talking fines. Everyone does know that, but I, je- I have no belief that Lamarcus Joyner... Uh, knew Bridgewater was giving himself up before he started to go to ground, that he led with his elbow, as people are suggesting, that he had intent of injuring him, and reckless fine. Fine him, absolutely fine. But fans and Zimmer are livid that he's not getting a suspension. They're talking about him getting kicked out of the league. They're talking about, what? Him, they're talking about him as if he attempted to go out there and end Bridgewater's career. And it turns out afterwards, and it's something none of us knew at the time, but that the Joiners and the Bridgewaters are lifelong friends. Their parents are good friends. They've known each other since they were young. Joiner clearly came out afterwards and was gutted about what had happened. And I, we're all angry and disappointed when a player gets injured and i understand when it's your player particularly your quarterback you feel defensive but really let's be realistic it's a physical game it was an unfortunate incident but to accuse somebody of specifically going out to injure a player is disgusting and these are tip-top athletes going at such high pace going at a pace that that i couldn't run if i trained for the next six months i probably couldn't run at the pace that lamarcus joiner can do a 40 yard dash at I, I, even close i wouldn't exactly. get within within two seconds of him I and imagine. that's the whole thing so when it's a game of margins and okay it does look it does look pretty bad but there's there clearly is no intent and for people to try and get on the back of this guy and and say you should be kicked out of the league. That's ridiculous. You need to have a word for yourself. We're going to get some real stick for this, and I've already been getting some stick for this online. So, uh, you know what? We have our position. We st- we both stand by it. I'm glad you're you're kind of on my side with this one. So uh, This is the podcast uh, uh, situation, position. That's where we are. Fantastic. Enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> the podcast party line. Uh, th- but, yeah, LaMarcus Joyner will be fined, won't be suspended, and I'm sure that's going to make uh, Vikings fans incredibly angry. Just a quick mention of the defensive side. Obviously, the Rams' defence continued to look impressive. Uh, Linville Joseph for the Vikings. We've, we've talked about their linebackers. We've talked about their great draft. But Linville Joseph in at nose tackle. He had f- uh, three tackles for a loss, four solo tackles, and half a sack over the past... Uh, uh, containing Gurley to under 100 yards. He was absolutely superb. A big reason that Gurley couldn't get that going. And the Vikings have a very, very genuine defence. I'm just concerned that, uh, as I've probably banged this drum a bit too much over the last month, that they've got the Packers at home, at the Falcons, the Seahawks, at the Cardinals, in four of their next five games. That's really tough. Mm. And another team that they're going to play the next weekend... Very quickly, kick watch... 
Greg Zoeline, 61-yard field goal. Wow! There's only been six in the history of the NFL. It's only like three yards short, two yards short of the record. Three well, yards short of Matt Prater's uh, record in 2013 of 64 yards for Denver at mile high. Only six field goals, goals longer than 61 yards or longer than 60 yards in NFL history. Kick watch! Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, we we actually got a new drop this week because uh, not it's not the Ollie Schmoozes one to the bang to the bang, um, <laughs> <laughs> but actually we got a brand new one because uh, a listener got in touch with us, Adam uh, Farkson, who's been on the show before, in fact, uh, and and told us about uh, something that he particularly enjoyed from the podcast from a week ago, uh, and it was this moment when Ollie Hunter was discussing uh, Manning's improved performance, tight spiral balls. So any time that we need to discuss the quality performance of a deep ball thrower, we can just remind us that Ollie Hunter loves tight, tight spiral balls. Tight, tight, tight spiral balls. I really do. <laughs> so it's fine. Childish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, disgrace talk in a moment, but let's talk about the one other game that was just stunning from Sunday night. Wow, brilliant slate of six o'clock games. And that was uh, the Oakland Raiders going to Pittsburgh and almost getting the upset that some of us were desperately predicting. They came out 35 to 38 losers to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, the big story on the Pittsburgh side of the ball was the fact that Ben Roethlisberger has a midfoot sprain, will miss the next two weeks, oh. to be fair. They're playing the Browns next week, and then they have a bye week. It's practically like not even missing the Browns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Do you know what? I thought it was worse than that. That's the first time that I've heard that he's uh, had a mid-foot sprain. I don't know what that means. But if the way that um, it was Olden Smith that, that fell on him, the, the ankle rolled, and you thought, oh, no. And he was, yeah. carry he was carried off by, by a couple of his linemen, helped off by a couple of his linemen, and you just thought... Oh, no. It Not again. Yeah, the Steelers have obviously had such issues with injury this season, but they've got the Browns at home next week. If they can put together a win against them with a back-up quarterback and Landry Jones had another great touchdown pass in this game, they'll move to 6-4 and four by week. They, he'll be back in time to the, for the trip to the Seahawks. They're very much still in that AFC wildcard race. Uh, Chris Boswell hit the 18-yard field goal with two seconds left to lift the Pittsburgh Steelers. To that win, Landry Jones found Antonio Brown for an impressive 57-yard touchdown reception on the final drive, which then set up Boswell's winning kick. Uh, Brown finished with a ridiculous Good. 17 catches for 284 yards. He rushed for another 22 from scrimmage. So he went over... 300 yards for the day in total. Wow. His, his 17 catches ties a record. Only him and Terrell Owens have had 17 receptions and 280-yard receiving games in a single game. And he and D'Angelo Williams, also very impressive on the day, combined for 531 yards, the most ever by two players. The fact is, is that the Steelers showed up this Raider secondary for being exactly what it was, not that great. I mean, over 600 yards is incredible. It is, it is the, the worst element of what is a much-improving team. But Derek Carr threw 301 yards with four touchdowns, plus the interception. Found Crabtree with a 38-yard tie to score the game with just 115 left. Look, this, this offense, we keep saying it, is really legitimate. And actually, I've been banging the Blake Bortles drum a lot recently. But Derek Carr, with his performances in the last two or three weeks, has been really impressive. And... Him and Bortles, let's say, are setting themselves apart. Probably Car above Bortles, but you know he's my man crush. He's my Jags man crush. Okay, you're trading away Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, you're not hopefully. keeping playing Cabot. Oh, what? Why not? But you're allowed. The guy's a hero. But you've got a choice. 
of Bridgewater, Bortles or Carr? Who are you having for San Francisco 49ers? Can I have the whole Raiders offense? No. With La- have Latmer and uh, Amari Cooper no, and Crabtree comes back. Shut up. And <laughs> <laughs> Can I have the whole Jags offense with those no, great receivers? Oh, for goodness sake, you're not playing ball. <laughs> it, you're a terrible human being. Because situation dictates a lot of it. It's difficult to say because obviously he has got a hell of a the line is much improved they've both got great weapons i've torn between bortles and car i'd probably lean slightly towards car now whoa don't, not, t- don't tell blake anyone he's, he's, already, he's already out on the west coast he's it's not far to move <laughs> he probably doesn't have to move he, he won't pro- even have to move yeah come on it's easy um but yeah great game well worth watching if you've got game pass go back and specifically watch that one two great uniforms as well Hashtag... Kickwatch. No, kitwatch. Shit. Ollie, we have a choice here. We have six more games to talk about. We've also got a preview Thursday night briefly in that horrible colour rush situation. <laughs> kitwatch! Uh, but would you rather rattle off the games we want to talk about in a bit less detail and then get on to our disgrace discussion, or should we go disgrace then rattle? Let's rattle, then disgrace. Fine. Starting off with the Miami Dolphins travelling to Buffalo Bills. Sammy Watkins had a career-best 168 yard receiving yards and a touchdown whilst rookie running back Carlos Williams scored twice in leading the Buffalo Bills to a 33-17 and win over the Dolphins. Um, just first of all, before we say anything else, for the sake of Simon Clancy, go back and watch the Watkins touchdown. Indomitian Sue is being held incredibly badly on that and probably would have got to the quarterback and it probably wouldn't have been a touchdown there we go simon i've got it out of the way holding is such a messy thing to call in this league and actually i thought until sunday night football which we'll get on to i think we've seen less flags the last two weeks from the officials but that was one we probably needed to see and clancy was pretty livid uh, <clears throat> the Bills now five and four uh, off their bye week. Uh, Jerry Hughes had two sacks, had a fantastic game, including a forced fumble, which he recovered to set up Watkins' score. Uh, LaShawn McCoy had a season best 112 rushing yards and a touchdown. I loved his touchdown. And How quick was he in that? Whoa! That's the burst that we haven't seen oh, from LaShawn McCoy probably in a season and a half. Love that. Uh, Miami, uh, after they came off their bye, had the Dan Campbell change, regressed back to three and five, coming off that 37 6 loss to New England. Basically, Dan Campbell can coach them to wins over terrible teams but not wins over good teams they're now 0-4 against AFC East rivals and that brief flirtation with possibly being a wildcard contender is probably gone now yeah um, pack up and go and watch some other sports team Miami fans uh, because it's not going to happen well the NBA season started again so the, the heat are going who that's, cares that's one thing uh, it should be said that Wat- uh, Sammy Watkins uh, who has yet, never really to me shown the pedigree for giving up a couple of first round picks for him to move up and get him which is what the bills did absolutely blew away brent grimes in coverage particularly on the touchdown he looked so explosive it's definitely the best performance we've seen from him since coming into the league and uh, yeah i just I, I loved watching him play and you know what they've done as well the dolphins go on that's two safeties the same way in consecutive games so um, a, 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 muffed, a bad, a bad, a snap. bad snap. The first game against the Patriots, Tannehill wasn't even looking, and he managed to recover it in the end zone. The, the one yesterday flew over Tannehill's head. It was ridiculous. They, they, they're not concentrating. They need to pull their finger out. The one thing, that, another th- uh, good thing for the Dolphins, 
uh Jai, britain's jhi are <laughs> we calling him that london's jhi yeah so uh <laughs> well done jay welcome to the nfl my friend in my dynasty league i have Dion, i have jhi coming off the ir and Dion lewis dropping down to the ir oh, it's almost like it's not an upgrade uh <laughs> moving on to events or uh, elsewhere in florida does that work yes uh, it doesn't because it was in Buffalo, but we talked about Miami, and so it kind of works. Uh, Eli Manning threw for 213 yards, having a very up and down day, two touchdowns, but two terrible picks, helping the first placed NFC East New York Giants rebound from last week's debacle in New Orleans with a 32 18 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Josh Brown, phenomenal on the day, booted four field goals for the Giants, now five and four, including fourth quarter kicks of 53 and 44 yards. Manning threw the touchdown passes to Ruben Randall and Shane Vereen. Uh, big thing. Things to note from this game, Jason Pierre-Paul came back, played, I think, 41 snaps on the defence, had a couple of tackles, didn't do a huge amount, but got a bit of pressure up the middle. Why was he playing in a hockey glove? Uh, because, <laughs> do, do you want me to show you his hand again? No, don't, don't, I don't want it. So he, he was basically playing in a giant oven mitt, because yeah. he doesn't have a glove specially designed for his hand yet, and he's not quite ready, but he's clearly ready for contact on it. Is his hand, I've blocked it out of my memory, is his hand a bit like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle hand? No, he's got, so he's got like half of his index finger is missing, or most of his index finger and half of his thumb. So he's kind of like, like somebody doing an A-OK sign, but not intentionally. You know that means something totally different in Brazil. What does it mean in Brazil? <laughs> yeah, go on, fade the mic down. You kiss your mother with that mouth. <laughs> You're a disgrace. Utter disgrace. Uh, most impressive thing I saw from this game, and I watched quite a bit of this game, actually. It was quite an enjoyable one, weirdly, is James... Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let's get hysterical. Hysterical. I want to get hysterical. Let's get into hysteria, <laughs> as Ollie then goes, I can't keep, I can't keep laughing at you. Uh, is uh, J Famous Jameis, I thought he was excellent today, obviously had the loss, but showing week-by-week -week progress. We talked about coming into the league, how he had far too many interceptions in college. It looked like that was going to be a problem weeks one through four. He hasn't thrown an interception since week four. If they got their running game going, Tampa Bay probably would have won this game. With the turnovers for New York and the fact that uh, Tampa Bay managed to turn the ball over three times, I think all from fumbles from running backs. Otherwise, they would have. I think they would have been right in it, and they were unfortunate not to be based on his performance. Mike Evans had a great game. Him, yeah, he dropped a lot of balls though. He did drop a few passes, but he still finished with 152 yards off eight grabs. And if it wasn't for untimely drops and fumbles from his running backs, Winston would probably be on a winning team today. He has looked much much better and i'm i'm pleased that he seems to be getting it a little bit of kit watch the worst home uniforms going up against the best away uniforms Ooh. yes i'm gonna say that the giants and their gray pants i love that look Ooh, that's that is a that, that's a stunning upset worst home uniform is not a surprise those uh, digital clock numbers that look like from a casio watch in the 1980s yeah, they're are terrible terrible uh right we had to talk about it sometime. We'll talk about it now. As Blaine Gabbert threw a pair Who? of second quarter touchdown passes to Garrick Sellett and the ha San Francisco Who? 49ers <laughs> held on to beat the Atlanta Falcons 17 to 16 on Sunday night. Sweaty ears. Um, I just need to take my headphones off for a minute. The 49ers 3 and 6 head into a bye on a winning note. Wow. 
Wow! We're still going to finish picking, picking in the top ten, but Blaine Gabbert had a genuinely good game. He had one pick <laughs> in the game, which I didn't think was his fault. He didn't take a sack behind an offensive line that's faced such heavy scrutiny this year. That's because they like Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, what was phenomenal, and there wasn't a big crowd at Levi's, it has to be said, it wasn't, I mean, I've heard half full, it was like three quarters full, but it definitely wasn't capacity. Um... Colin Kaepernick had to come in for a couple of plays in the middle of the game because Gabbert was going through concussion protocol after taking a couple of big hits. He got the ball away on both of them, but he went through the concussion protocol. And they didn't boo Kaepernick or anything like that. There was, you know, some a muted response to Kaepernick coming into the game. But when Gabbert came back into the game, it was like the returning hero. <laughs> it, was, it was like you're a Patriots fan and Tom Brady has just bounced back from an unlikely injury. It was ridiculous. Do you feel sorry, do you feel sorry for Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, I do. I do a little bit. I, I, you know, all the talent in the world wasted. It's just a shame. I'd have him as a backup at <clears throat> Green Bay. He, uh, so Gabbard did throw an inception midway through the fourth quarter, give Atlanta now six and three, another chance with seven fourteen to go. Uh, after completion, Ryan hit six straight throws, but eventually missed Julio Jones in the end zone. Atlanta, with one of the worst coaching decisions I've maybe ever seen. What was that? They uh, were. This is one of those classic situations. Dan Quinn said he wanted to trust his defence. So they're four, uh, fourth and goal on the two-yard line. Four points down. They kicked a field goal. How, oh, OK. So the 49ers get the ball back with 3.30 left and a point difference. Blaine Gabbert runs a designed bootleg run, which apparently is something they practised all week in practice this week. Well done for that one, boys. Um, yeah. He's quite nippy, isn't he? Yeah, he, he can move when he needs to. And they picked up the first down they needed... They, drove, they had a couple more completions, and they finished the game off. The Falcons, if they'd gone for it on fourth and two and not completed, the worst situation they'd be in is putting Blaine Gabbert, this is Blaine effing Gabbert, on, on, on his own two-yard line. That's when you trust your defence. Yeah, if you trust your defence, trust them to get a turnover with three and a half minutes left, or to get the ball back and put you in a good field position and go down and drive for the touchdown. It was bizarre i like dan quinn but dan quinn as a rookie head coach you made a big mistake you know why his, his uh, kicker in fantasy is matt bryant <laughs> he, wanted, <laughs> he needed he, those points he needed the points he, it was a short field goal but he needed the three points yeah yeah he was up against joe philbin now is blaine gabbert gonna be <laughs> you're a terrible man uh is blaine gabbert gonna be your next uh, san francisco 49er jersey <laughs> Number two. Good one, buddy. I've actually, <laughs> I, I've actually just bought a new 49ers jersey. I bought the new, the black and red, because I wanted one. Oh, Jared Hain. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was BS. I think that was BS. No, not a Jared Hain jersey. I, uh, I bought myself, and this is ridiculous, because he's never even played in that uniform, but I bought myself a Justin Smith in the black and red, because... They started making them because he hadn't retired yet when they made them. And so they were selling them off cheap, and he was my favourite player. And so I've always wanted a Justin Smith jersey, and now I own one. I really don't know where to go with any of that. <laughs> that's, like, that's like me getting a Jermichael Finley jersey. Why wouldn't you get a Jermichael Finley jersey? But in the new throwback. He's a hero. <laughs> he is a hero. <laughs> we miss you, Jermichael. Uh, brilliant. Right, let's... We really uh, do miss Jermichael. So let's get on and talk about the division of disgrace because we talked on the Thursday slash Friday show slash Saturday show as it was this week. Slash. Slash. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think because I haven't got any water and my mouth's starting to fill up with just phlegm. All oh, right, Russell Hargreaves. Yeah. <laughs> that, that reference means nothing to nobody. <laughs> Uh, the we, we were talking about 
it's got to be the AFC South. Obviously, there's likely to be a team with a losing record win that division. And then we discussed, well, the NFC East, though. We keep getting their games on primetime. These illusions of grandeur, where they turn out to be terrible one-sided games. I'm sick of it. Well, I think the NFC East on Sunday night may have saved themselves from being the division of disgrace. Sam Bradford threw a 41-yard touchdown pass to Jordan Matthews in overtime as the Eagles sent the Cowboys to their longest losing streak in 26 years with a 33-27 victory in overtime on late-night football. Matthews broke away from Byron Jones, very impressive on the night, and ran past J.J. Wilcox on the first possession of overtime to hand the Cowboys their sixth straight loss. Jordan Hicks had had a 67-yard interception return for a touchdown for the Eagles, now 4-4. Four and four. The Cowboys have lost every game without Tony Romo, who will miss at least one more with his broken collarbone. He is now throwing, but he's not allowed to return uh, from the designated PUP, IR, whatever it's called, return list, until after the next game. Uh, Jordan Matthews had a coming-out game. Nine catches, 133 yards. DeMarco Murray, 161 yards on the ground. The Cowboys' defence, not impressive after they have been previously this year. Des Bryant had his first touchdown of the season. This was back and forth. This was exciting football. This is everything primetime should be. I loved this game. It was a great game, wasn't it? It was. Oh. We could spend like 45 minutes just talking about the plays in this game and what was happening. Matt, uh, Matt Castle, 299 yards, three t touchdowns and an interception. Cole Beasley. Who thought Cole Beasley could, was almost the man to hand Cowboys their first win in six? It was... A brilliant day. McFadden was excellent on the ground as well. And I particularly wanted to mention those two rookies that I've mentioned already. Rookie outside linebacker Jordan Hicks, who leads the Eagles with 49 tackles. He and Darrell Reeves are tied for the lead with three fumbles recovered this season. Has had to be put on IR with a pectoral injury suffered at the end of that game. He has been absolutely brilliant this year. A real high point for the... Uh, for the defence on that side of the ball. And once they've got him fit and Kiko Alonso firing on full power, that could be a really impressive linebacking core. On the other side, Byron Jones for the Cowboys. Caught first round corner, I think, wherever they picked, 26, 27. He's been brilliant this year. It's so yeah. rare. There's certain positions in NFL where you feel like they need a season to get ready for it. Wide receiver, the last two years, we've had a glut of great rookie wide receivers, whereas previously it's always been one of the toughest positions to try. And, uh, three years, let's go back and include Keenan Allen in that as well. We've had a real impressive glut of those, but generally that's a difficult position. And defensive back is the other one. He's come in and he is easily the best defensive back on the offense. He was blitzing, he was doing well in coverage, he was brilliant coming up and stopping the run uh, it's my first time watching byron jones in real depth and i was so impressed with what he did so i think the division of the disgrace despite the fact that they overall had some good performances two out of the three teams playing last night got wins i think we have to say is now the afc south it's got to be the afc south it has to be. I think the Colts could now win it with a winning record. They're up to four and five now. Jags last night, we'll just mention this game reasonably quickly. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ho, 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 this magic. It wasn't too obvious that I didn't have it ready then, was it? No. Good. Through two touchdown passes while playing with a torn ligament in his left thumb, Chris Ivory ran for two scores, although only 26 yards on the day. Two touchdowns saved you in fantasy, buddy. Uh, as they took advantage of late mistakes by the Jags to hang on to a 28-23 win on Sunday. Brandon Marshall's 28-yard touchdown catch after the Jets had recovered a muffed punt in the fourth quarter. The Jags did everything it. they could to try and lose this game, yeah, didn't they? We, we really thought that they could go and give the Jets problems, and they did go and give the Jets problems. And we really like the Jags, as we've stated on many, many occasions. But 
They silly mistakes really cost them a game that they really could have won after how well their run defense played. The Jags really could have won this. They really could have done. Um, I, I'm sorry to backtrack. I, I couldn't really get a word in Ed. Ed's sorry, yeah. With you. I I I, that, I love that Cowboys game so much that I couldn't stop talking about it. I'm sorry. Well, and that. I want to talk about it. Yeah. The um, the Byron Maxwell. Uh, double penalties in the final oh, drive. Oh, dreadful. I, I, I remember messaging you at the time. It seemed like the NFL wanted the Cowboys to win this game. There, this was, I, I mentioned. Some terrible um, officiating. There. Yeah, I mentioned some flags earlier. There were some really, really soft penalties on this game. I actually think there were soft penalties on both teams in this game. But I, whilst we've seen less flags these last two weeks and, and allow play to flow a bit more, it felt like on prime time, Hockley and his crew decided that they were going to really try and take charge of this game. And the, one of those Maxwell penalties in particular, for there was a pass interference, which was one of the softest passes interferences i think i've ever seen in my life absolutely michael irving who it's of course a, a, a who a, a, yeah exactly <laughs> but a, 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 a cowboys legend said nah that that wasn't even that wasn't even a, a penalty at all so to the bang to the bang to the bang <laughs> it's not relevant there at all is it uh but um another thing i like yeah this yeah game, go on no, no sorry we should go back and talk about this game more jason kelsey the the center for uh, the eagles said any time that they could, they tried to get a little bit more in on Greg Hardy. Yeah, they gave him a lot of stick, apparently, a lot of mouth. There was a huge amount of focus, and I have to give plenty of love to uh, Chris and Al, uh, as I call them, Michaels and Collinsworth, as they're known to by the general public. Chris and Al! <laughs> Your buddies, Chris and Al, who you've never met. I don't know where that came from. Um, my mates, Chris and Al, they uh, they really didn't dance around the issues. They said beforehand, you know, they they, they said... All of us were disgusted by the photos that came out this week, but we've got to call a game. I'm sure it will come up in the conversation later, but we're not going to let this broadcast be dominated by Greg Hardy. And I thought that was a really good, forthright way of tackling it, saying up front that they weren't happy that he was playing in the game, but saying, look, we've still got a game of football to call here. Let's do our thing. And Greg Hardy was a bit of a non-factor. He almost stopped. He got the one the one and only sack for the Cowboys on the night, but he he had a poor game overall, and he the best play he had of the game was almost stopping Sam Bradford on what was eventually the touchdown pass. Sam Bradford, he had a great game. Yeah. He's been terrible this year, and we've been happy to say he's terrible. We've been the first people to jump on the how terrible he's been this season bad bandwagon but he had poise he took his time he found his receivers he looked really really strong uh, passing from the pocket and it was interesting they ran a few plays with him where they were running a kind of read option but instead of him like typical of uh, kelly but instead of him running the ball he ran the read option but they'd always have a short pass option on so if he saw that the pass rusher was uh, had bitten on the run then he knew he'd have a little bit of time to find that tight end over the top mm-hmm. or if they bit on and they came towards him he'd hand the ball off and let it go so it was it was fascinating to see and finally the chip kelly offense really doing what it's threatened to do getting plays going getting quick offense making that cowboys defense look tired and they were often puffing trying to get substitutions in and out of the game quickly snapping the ball with 25 seconds still left on the play cock on a regular basis play cock. <laughs> yeah i definitely said that um <laughs> I thought I might be able to glaze over it, but you definitely heard it. Damn it. And it proves we listen to each other, guys. Uh, and um, the, t- the touchdown pass for Matthews, actually, is Chris Laura, a friend of the show, tweeted, uh, was the tiebreaker... Breaker? <laughs> tiebreaker, you've got the best of me. <laughs> you're, just, you're the AFC South right now. 
Uh, the touchdown pass was the tiebreaker for a, a balanced Eagles offense that had 36 passes for Bradford, 35 rushes for the team. I still think Ryan Matthews is the better of the two running backs between him and Murray, but there, but Murray still had a great game and yeah, wonderful game of football to watch. <laughs> wonderful, good job all round, <laughs> except by me. Except yeah. by me talking about the game. Uh, I'm fi- sorry I came back to it. Final game, and I almost feel bad for putting the Titans and uh, and the malarkey into the AFC disgrace after their performance against the Saints on Sunday night as Marcus Mariota, for the first time Mariota. in NFL history, a rookie threw for 350 yards, four touchdowns and no interceptions in a single game as they beat the Saints in the Dome 34-28 to and they played Really bloody well. This was a really good game as well, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, the Saints' defence are pants. We know that. And whilst our friend David Delvin Bro uh, has some great plays, he also has had some boneheaded ones. He's still clearly learning the league. Delaney Walker, I mean, they were fortunate he didn't get picked off because there was the Delaney Walker touchdown where the two, the safety in the corner, clashed into each other. That was amazing. The ball went up in the air. Walker caught it and ran it in for a touchdown. So that was a little ridiculous. But overall, Mariota uh, coming off that knee sprain, really impressive. And as we said earlier with Winston, really glad that these guys are figuring the NFL out and look like they could be good quarterbacks going forward. I, neither of these look like RG3 style, flash in the pan, not doing what other quarterbacks can do. Because the thing with RG3 was always the rushing threat was what made him so great. And when he had a good running back in, that's when he looked good. A bit like Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick. A bit like, oh, a bit like Colin Kaepernick. A lot yeah. of gadget plays, a lot of read option, yeah, a lot yeah. of that sort of stuff. These two are playing proper drop-back quarterback roles and they look really good doing it. Do you think in the future we'll see more of these types of guys drafted on given the, the last two... Uh, quarterback sort of draft classes rather yeah, I, I, than, well, rather I, than I, those I, running guys the guys i've been obviously because we've got blaine gabbert starting for us looking at the quarterbacks at the top of the draft and we're going to get uh simon clancy on soon to talk about a, a kind of early draft preview who teams should be looking at guys like jared goff out of the cow bears who is a much more strict drop back passer i mean we we talked about how much we like hackenberg but sadly uh, particularly in the game this weekend for penn state they've had an impressive season penn state and numbers wise he doesn't look terrible but He's making some bad decisions. He's got this huge arm. Do you, you know who Hackenberg looks like to me now? And I hate saying this as a Penn State fan. He looks like Jay Cutler. Big arm, boneheaded plays, throws a bit of a strop when he makes bad plays. Uh, it's a bit of a disappointment. But those are the kind of guys that are going to keep going. Drew Brees missing a game this season actually will prevent him with, from reclaiming the single-season passing record. We talked about Rivers earlier. He's averaging 345.4 yards a game, which is enough to win him the record. Wow. But he obviously missed that one game where McCown came in for him uh, after he got injured. So he'd have to... He's, have to he's up got his, to go some. He'd have to up his average for the last five games by another... The last eight games by another 50 yards to do it. So That's doable, though. Is it? Yeah, yeah, averaging basically 400 yards a game. It could happen. It, it could. It's quite unlikely. Beer bet? <laughs> beer bet that what? What's the beer bet? Is it that Rivers outthrows Breeze, or is it that Breeze breaks the record? Breeze breaks the record. Okay, beer bet. Done. I'm gonna, we're starting to keep a chart of these. We've got some uh, people getting touched, so maybe we'll update you on those at some point. I so, really liked, by the way, Tennessee Titans' uh, Doriel Green-Beckham. Oh, uh, he had a great game. Five catches, 77 yards, uh, 10 targets. So, And he's the most targeted player on the Titans yesterday. Uh, 
he looks really, really good. He's such a freak. He's he's big like Delaney Walker, but he's quicker than Delaney Walker. I love watching this guy play. So expect more production from him next week. And wow, the Tennessee Titans almost. I'm almost excited about them. Brilliant. Uh, right. Have we had any other tweets and stuff in that we haven't already covered, Ollie Hunter? I'm just having a look now. Uh, do Antonio Brown's numbers with Big Ben prove that it's the quarterback who makes the wide receiver and not the other way around? Cal asks. I, it's a symbiotic relationship. Uh, that also gave me an opportunity to say symbiotics. I thought it was symbiotic. Oh, shut up. I know. Seriously, <laughs> you're a disgrace. How? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was. A, I thought it was a. a I, I think it's Antonio Brown's a great receiver. Whoever he's with, I believe. But I, talk, speaking of which, Tiki Barber talking about Julio Jones as the best slot receiver. He said the best slant receiver I've ever seen. Pretty, oh. pretty sure there's a number 80 who used to play in San Francisco, the city that you were commentating on this game from, who might have done an argument with that. Do you think he was saying that just to wind him up? Just to wind Jerry Rice up, because yeah. he's in those disgusting McDonald's adverts where he wears a Cowboys uniform and Ditka wears a Green Bay uniform. Ugh. It's the the whole thing is like they're willing to support teams that aren't their own if it means they win prizes from McDonald's basically. That's disgusting. Yeah, not happy about it at all. Uh, but yeah, I, it's it's you're never gonna get great wide receiver play out of terrible quarterbacks, obviously, because they're not gonna be finding the receivers. There's the trust issue. There's there the are... there's the whole route tree route tree that um, that both are well on board with, and also that. I think uh, Antonio Brown was up against a pretty bad secondary, as we've I, already I, spoken about. And I think about. the thing is, I mean, he he, uh, he had the big pass off, Landry Jones. We said that 54-yarder, which uh, set up the game-winning score. But actually, the difference being that Martavis Bryant had a couple of big games with Jones under centre, and I think that had to do with the fact that Martavis Bryant is brilliant after the catch. I, I still think Antonio Brown's brilliant after the catch as well. But Brown tends to run those deep routes, stretch mm. the defence, and then Bryant comes for the shorter routes, the, the hook routes, the slants, that sort of thing. Jones is more likely to find that guy because of the quarterback. So in some ways, yes, the quarterback does make the receiver because they have to be the person that finds them. But a great receiver is a great receiver, whatever the team they're on. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. I think that's us done. Thursday night football? Thursday night football between the Jets and the Bills is going to be a Bills win. I will go... Is that the Bills, yeah? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to go for the home team. Which is the New York Jets. I am also taking the New York Jets at home against the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Preparation is key, my friends. Uh, prepare to fail. To, to fail to prepare is to prepare to fail, as my mother used to say. And that's a t-shirt you can get that. from Will Gavin. Gridiron-magazine.com. <laughs> also check us out on Twitter, at Gridiron. Uh, the, yeah, the biggest thing about this game is the colorless uniforms are back. Look, follow us on Twitter. We'll be tweeting about the game. We'll be tweeting throughout the game. Also, as we will be tonight. Well, why do I say tonight on Monday Night Football? By the time you listen to us, that's been over. Lit tune in on Thursday night, when I will be giving my hackneyed opinions all the way through the night. And is there anything you'd like to add on? No, there is not. Fantastic. Well, thank you How very much. You? <laughs> no, I'm sweaty. This is the hottest this studio has ever been. I think. <laughs> I'm literally at the point where I've taken my headphones off now because my ears are so sweaty. Uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, keep checking us out online, gridiron-magazine.com. Go and check out our friends, sportstraveltours.com for all their exciting. If you want to go to see some playoff games this year, if you want to go and watch some games out in America, I can't recommend it anymore. When do we go find check out, out their website. T- we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Gridiron Show. Love you, bye. Big interviews later this week.